Hello everyone, Ivy here. This is episode two of season two of our podcast, How to Pray with Power. I'm so excited about this season. As I said before, we're going to unpack a lot of important principles that are foundational to our walk with Christ and also that give us the ability to pray with power and to see things change as a result of our prayers. So today, um, actually in the previous podcast, the previous episode, we talked about our identity in Christ. We just touched on that. Um, I explained who Jesus is and what he did for us and how that affects us as a result of what he's done for us on the cross. Today, we're going to go into more depth of how accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior impacts our identity and why that is important for being able to pray with power. Lord God, I pray that as I share what your word says about who we are in Christ, that you would change the way we see ourselves from the inside out. And I pray that we would have confidence of being your children and that you'd give us the faith and boldness we need when we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we accept the gift of salvation from God through Jesus Christ, we receive a package deal. And just like with any package, we have to unwrap it. We have to engage with it in order to use it. In the same way, salvation is no different. In order to walk in all the promises that are available to us, we have to know them and we have to sow them into our hearts Um, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we're going to look at scripture verses highlighting the benefits that we receive as a result of accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So there's a list of four things that I've come up with. I'm sure this list isn't exhaustive. But for the first thing on the list, um, it's we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're free. Secondly, we're heirs with Christ seated in a position of authority. Third, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Fourth, we are healed. And as I said before, this is not an exhaustive list. I'm sure there are more items that more benefits to being a child of God. So we're going to look at some scriptures unpacking these principles. So Ephesians 1, 3 through 7 says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of the glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So we're going to unpack that a little bit. So God has chosen us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So um, God foreknew before the existence of the world, before the existence of the heavens and the earth, before the existence of time. He knew us and he decided 
He already knew and decided what era we would live in. He decided what country we'd grow up in and where we would move to. He decided our family. He chose who our spouse would be as well as um, if we weren't going to have a spouse. He knew that before the beginning of time. He chose our purpose for us and he gave us the grace we need and every spiritual blessing in Christ to be able to fulfill that purpose. And then also, um, just want to mention, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given in, in the one he loves. So he has freely given grace to us. So whatever your purpose is, whatever your calling is, God has given grace to you. And each one of us receives a different um, particular grace when it comes to our calling. But all of us receive the grace of God when it comes to being saved from his wrath and escaping the punishment that was due to us as a result of our sins. Okay, next I want to go to Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 5. That says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, and following its desires and thoughts like the rest, we were by ob we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you are, have been saved. Is that Ephesians one uh, Ephesians two one through five, excuse me. So, um, all of us, we were once part of a sinful nature. Well, we, we had, we were born with a sinful nature, actually. We were part of the kingdom of darkness by default. And, um, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that is Satan. Um, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So, um, you can think of anyone you know who doesn't know the Lord, um, that person is not free. They are bound by the spirit that is at work in the world. That's at work in those who are disobedient. Um, all of us lived among them at one time. Uh, God is clear and he says, we used to be those people. So we're not looking down on people who are still in the world. We just know that they need to be set free. We used to gratify the cravings of our sinful nature. We used to do what we feel like doing and following our desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. So we were deserving of God's wrath. But because his great love for us, which is rich in mercy, he made us alive in Christ. He raised our spirits up. He saved our spirits and um, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. And that is a gift. That is not something that we can earn. So let's take a look at Romans 8, 1 through 10. 
And keep your finger actually at Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. Because we're going to go back there. Okay, just a moment. So Romans 8 through 10 says, Romans 8, 1 through 10 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, the law of spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on the, what the sinful nature desires, what nature desires, but those who live according to the spirit have their minds on what the spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to the God to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. So that's a big, that's a lot of stuff there to go through. I'm just going to go through a little bit of it right quick. <clears throat> so as a result of what Jesus did on the cross for us, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So um, we are not condemned because of our past failures. Instead, we are made alive according to righteousness. And we are no longer subject to the sinful nature, which um, I'm not sure if... And I guess I'm not going to go into all of what the sinful nature is because I talked about that in season one. But if you study Galatians chapter five, it outlines what the obvious acts of the sinful nature are. It says um, at the pretty much the works of the flesh are obvious. There's a whole list there that it gives of the, which are examples of sin, and we talked about the, the Ten Commandments in the first episode. We went through each one, and I um, highlighted a little bit of what is meant by the Ten Commandments. And we learned that the the law which is outlined in the Ten Commandments and also in the Old Testament, which um, I believe people that are Jewish call the Torah, I believe. Um, the law served as our tutor to lead us to Christ. And so um, God wants us to have a heart to want to do the things he wants us to do and to not want to do the things he doesn't want us to do. So... Um, he talks about how if you're walking in the sinful nature, it's because you're choosing to do so if you have a relationship with God. So it is possible to walk in the sinful nature if you are a child of God, but you're not subject to the sinful nature, if that makes sense. John 8.36, let's go there right quick.
Okay, John 8.36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So, when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, He gives us the offer of freedom from the sinful nature. And uh, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That's a promise. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, God is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord there is freedom. Some versions say liberty. That means the same thing. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Okay, second item on our list, heirs with Christ. We are heirs with Christ, meaning we are seated in a position of authority. Let's look at Romans 8, 12 through 17. Let's see, I should have put my finger there. So I wouldn't have to go through looking for it. Okay, Romans 8, 12 through 17 says, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. This spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now we are children. We are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So, just because um, we receive the gift of salvation doesn't mean we are exempt from suffering. In fact, Jesus promises in his word, in the word of God, he says that in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So um, we do experience hardship still, even if we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But the difference is when we receive those hardships, those God uses those hardships and those difficulties to refine us in our faith and in our, our hope in Jesus Christ. They, they're not just for nothing. Whereas if you're not a child of God, you'll still experience suffering, but it won't. there won't be a purpose to it. You'll just experience the suffering as a result of the, the world being a fallen world. Okay, so let's take a look at Ephesians 1. Actually, um, Ephesians 2.6. Ephesians 2.6 says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us in him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So stop right there. So in Ephesians chapter 1, verse... Verse 18, I want to say. It says... Um, in Ephesians 1 verse 18, it says, Paul is praying and he says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to his, to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his in incomparably great power for us who believe that power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. 
So, um, God also, he goes on to say, and God placed all things under his feet, that's Jesus, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So, Jesus has been given a position of authority of all might, all power, all dominion is Jesus, is under Jesus. So, um... When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we are seated with him in heavenly places. We have a position of authority. If you recall, um, within the Gospels, Jesus would send the disciples out two by two. And they would go out and share the Gospel message. But he also gave them authority over unclean spirits, which is another word for evil spirits. So in the same way... Um, we have authority over everything in the earth, including the unclean spirits. And um, that is a promise that's available to us. But again, if you don't know the Lord, that promise isn't available to you. And also, if you know the Lord, but you don't unpack his word and you don't study, you don't incorporate his principles into your thinking and your lifestyle then these promises will be null and void to you. So next, um, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's number three. Ephesians chapter one, we're going to look at that again. But we're looking at verses 13 and 14. It says, And you also are included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of possession in which um, when Jesus comes back. So if you have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, you don't have to wonder, am I saved? Am I safe from the wrath of God? You can know for sure that you are a child of God, you're a child of the King, and you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So we're marked with a seal on us in the spiritual realm when we accept Christ as Lord and Savior. And we're going to talk more about the Holy Spirit in the coming episodes. But for now, um, I believe, I just want to mention before we go into the fourth item, I encourage you to study the book of Ephesians 1 and 2. Just read through chapter 1 and 2 on your own and just um, ask God for understanding and revelation. And he will speak to you specifically about how each of these things applies in your life. And it will allow you to draw closer to God, which will highly positively impact your prayer life and help you pray with more power. So, um, fourthly, we are healed. I'm going to go to Isaiah 53, 5, which, let me see here, is a prophecy about Jesus. It says right here in verse 5, Isaiah 53, verse 5, it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Some versions say by his stripes we are healed. So um, 
when Jesus went to the cross, just before he was nailed to the cross, um, he was beaten beyond recognition. Um, they used a cat and nine tails, they call it, I believe. Um, it was like um, a whip, but um, had multiple uh, strands that caused stripes or wounds on his back. And they flogged him, they flogged him, they flogged him until he was beaten beyond recognition. And the scriptures prophesied that by the wounds that he would receive from that beating, that we would be healed. So um, you might have heard people say, by his stripes I am healed. Well, that is a promise from God. And I believe God still heals people today. But um, in the Gospels, oftentimes when Jesus healed people, he would say, according to your faith, may it be unto you. And so basically, we're healed in accordance to our faith, which is a whole nother topic. But um, we receive the healing from God as a result of Jesus dying on the cross. So to put it all together, if you want, you can make a study guide that can help you remember all of the things Jesus received and all the things we received as a result of what Jesus went through. So make a T and um, you can write this on a blank piece of paper, write a kind of a T shape and you're going to have two categories. On the left side at the top, you're going to write Jesus received. On the right side on the top, you're going to write we received. So, um, on the left side, Jesus received punishment, and on the right side, we received righteousness. So, Jesus was punished so we could receive righteousness. And next, Jesus was wounded, put that on the left side under punishment, and then on the right side, under righteousness, right, healed. So, Jesus was wounded so that we could be healed. By his stripes, or by his wounds, we are healed. Thirdly, Jesus was humiliated and brought low so that we could be exalted in him. So under wounded and punishment, under that column, put brought low or humiliated. And then under our side, which says we received, put exalted in him under healed. So you've got, should have three lines so far. The first one should say, Jesus was punished so that we would receive righteousness. Second, Jesus was wounded so that we would be healed. Third, Jesus was brought low and humiliated so that we could be exalted with him. So um, I'm just going to help you get through this table work quick and then we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about some of these items. But the fourth thing on the list, Jesus experienced death and separation from God that we would receive abundant life and peace and right standing with him and a relationship with God. Um, So you could just write on the bottom below exalted with him. You could just write abundant life. And then on the left side, the next comparison is Jesus was enslaved and taken captive so that we would receive freedom. So put enslaved and taken captive on the left side underneath the previous entry and then on the right side under abundant life, right? Freedom. 
Next, Jesus was the sacrificial lamb so that we could become the scapegoat. I'm going to go into that a little bit, a little bit. Okay, so Jesus was punished so that we could receive righteousness. Jesus was wounded. By his wounds, we are healed. Jesus was brought low. And as a result, we were exalted in him. So to the thing to understand, Jesus was humiliated pretty much when he died on the cross. He did not have clothes on when he was um, nailed to the cross, is my understanding. And um, just the fact that he came to this earth after being one with the Father and existing before the beginning of time, he lived in his deity. He was one with God before the foundations of the world. And so the thought that he would become one of us, he really brought himself low to be able to relate to us and he walked among us. And so um, in that regard, he was brought low so that we could be brought high so we could be exalted with him and seated in heavenly places and receive a position of authority with him and then um, experience death separation from God so that we could receive abundant life and a relationship with God so he got a taste of death not only did he experience separation from God because it's written in the scriptures that when he um, was on the cross, he said, God, God, why have you forsaken me? I think he said that in Hebrew. I'm not sure. But I know in the scriptures it says that he experienced God turning his back on him. And that is because um, Jesus had all the sins of the world on him and God had to administer his wrath. And so... Um, Jesus experienced separation from God so that we wouldn't have to. After that, um, next, Jesus was enslaved and taken captive so that we could receive his freedom. And then lastly, Jesus was a sacrificial lamb so that we could become the scapegoat. The whole concept behind a scapegoat is back in the old testament when they used to do sacrificial offerings there was a part of the sacrificial system in which they were supposed to um find a lamb without blemish and sacrifice it sometimes i believe it would be a burnt offering sometimes it would just be a sin offering in which they butchered it but um essentially this perfect lamb would experience death but then they would choose a different animal or goat or lamb that would get to go free so um the lamb that got to go free would be the scapegoat so that's a foreshadowing of what was going to happen on the cross so jesus was our sacrificial lamb so that we could be let free and that is our study for today um i just want to thank everyone for listening um during the next podcast, let's see here. we are going to talk about let's see in the next podcast we're going to talk about how to recognize God's voice. Sorry about that.
Um, We're going to talk about how to recognize God's voice in the next podcast. This has been a podcast of our identity in Christ, the second part. I encourage you to memorize some of the scriptures and um, get those deep down in your heart so that who you are in Christ isn't just in your head, but it's in your heart. Because we're going to need that identity of knowing who we are in Christ before we can use a lot of these principles that I'm going to teach in the future. Like before we can take authority over Satan and the enemy, and before we can do spiritual warfare, and before we can break curses and strongholds off of ourselves and make Satan flee and all that kind of stuff, we have to know who we are in Christ. And um, because if we don't know who we are in Christ, then uh, we're just going to experience hardship and we're going to be pretty much flogged by the enemy. Um, What that means is there's a passage in the book of Acts in which the disciples, um, there were some people that were trying to, to copy, copycat what Paul and Peter were doing in that Paul and Peter were casting demons out of people. But then there was this one case where people tried to say, okay, in the name of the God of Paul and Peter, I command you to come out. But what happened in that case was the demon said, Paul, I know, and Jesus, I know, but who are you? I think some of you know exactly which passage I'm talking about. But, um, If you're wanting to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, if you're wanting to operate in the authority that God has given us, we have to know who we we have to know our Lord, who God is, and we have to know who we are as a result of what God has done for us. Because if I were your enemy, if I were Satan, what I would do is I'd try to attack and feed lies into your brain about who you are and get you to doubt who you are and doubt God's power in your life. And in doing that, I'd be able to succeed in preventing you from using the power that God has given you. So um, this has been episode two of Praying With Power, our podcast. Episode two to season season two, excuse me. Um, And we'll see you in the next podcast. Thank you.